Well, today we are beginning a new sermon series. We are walking into a series titled Rock the Boat with uh, exploring the life of Peter. Now, Peter is one of, I think, the most memorable disciples of Jesus. He's one of those people who is always putting himself out there. He's always trying. He's always speaking up. And we can learn a lot from Peter because we see a lot of stories where he he shows up in the text. And one of the things I think about is, is all of us are called to follow Jesus. And what does it look like to follow Jesus? Now, Peter didn't have books to read to figure that out. He had someone to follow and to watch. Uh, and early Christians were called Christians because they were called little Christs. And we live in an age of all sorts of people who are are now influencers because we all have broadcast channels, we all have social media, we have all these things. And so in today's world, if you're going to be an influencer, you're going to um, perhaps sell a lifestyle, the life that you're getting to enjoy. Maybe you got a big house, maybe you got uh, fun trips, maybe you have fun access to things. And, uh, and so it's like, well, you want to have a better life? Let me suggest that maybe you should try my new shampoo or whatever product I hashtag sponsored, hashtag ad. Uh, want to sell you. But what on earth does it mean? Like we all go to church, we all say, hey, we're supposed to follow Jesus. What does it look like to follow Jesus? And one of the questions that really resonated with me and stuck with me was somebody asked, when did Peter become a Christian? And the room is filled with answers because people remember all these stories about Peter. Is it when he's called out from fishing? Is it is it when he makes his great confession of faith that you were the Christ? Is it is it after he's denied Jesus and he, he goes back to him? Like, is it in Pentecost? Like, when is it that Peter's got it figured out? And the messiness of that is also the messiness of our lives. Of when do we have it figured out? What, to, what does it look like to follow Jesus? And so we're going to walk with Peter uh, through the ebbs and flows when he gets it right and when he immediately fails right after. Uh, and maybe that feels like your life. And so I think we're going to resonate with Peter and his story. And I want to read for you our text for today, which comes from Matthew chapter 4. In verse 18, Matthew writes, As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea because they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And as he went out from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. So his fame spread throughout all of Syria, and they brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, demoniacs and epileptics and paralytics, and he cured them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, this story uh, begins in an unexpected way. If you're familiar with this kind of story, you might just like, okay, yeah, I know Jesus calls Peter, Peter becomes a disciple, and that's just like the, of course, beginning of the story. This is 
altogether unusual for a first century environment. Uh, Jesus is called rabbi quite often in the gospels. He's my teacher, my teacher. But rabbis weren't usually the ones going out and recruiting disciples, apprentices, students to learn their way of life. But Jesus shows up and is like, hey, follow me. And, and that would be a little weird because it's like you got a job offer that you weren't looking for. And you're like, what's going on today? And especially like if you're on LinkedIn and you might get a job offer from some sort of recruiter or something like that. And you're like, that's not even my field. How did this get on your radar? Like Peter's like, I'm a fisherman. What is, what is this guy talking about? And you want to fish for people. Anybody feel like they understood what that would mean in your life? They're like, hey, you sell coffee. Do you want to make coffee of people or something? And you're like, what bizarre lingo are you talking about? So what do you mean I'm going to fish for people? Anybody ever thought about that idea, that, that visual? Like we say it so frequently about fishers of men, uh, fishers of people. But like it's a little weird because does anybody want to be a fish caught in the sea? Like that doesn't sound fun. It's going to hurt your mouth. You're going to get pulled out of the water, out of your habitat. You're going to be flailing, confused. You're probably going to have a really bloody next step in this process. You're going to be ate for dinner. Like anybody like, I want to be a fish. I was like, what, what on earth does this image mean for Jesus? I, I think like the phrase hook, line and sinker, like we don't use that as like a positive as like, you got tricked, you got, uh, you know, tricked into whatever I'm selling you. And I think for a lot of people, Christianity is that of like, you're just trying to sell me on something. I don't trust it. I don't believe in it. And, and what is your angle? Are you just trying to get my money or, or what is the trick to this story? And we feel like we're marketers, maybe if you're trying to share your faith, like, oh, I, I hope I can get you to sign up for my uh, extended car warranty. Uh, and it's called Christianity. And that doesn't sound like a positive image. But the image is, hey, you, you fish for fish, but why don't you fish for people? And so we're going to explore a little bit in that image. But I think one of the things that is happening in this story is Jesus is inviting Peter of, we all know what it's like to be stuck in work life or the habits of life or your school life. And you're just stuck in the process and you're like, where's life happening? Where's purpose happening? Can there be more than this? Jesus is offering Peter an invitation to connect with people in a different way, to find new life, to find new hope, new opportunity. And who knows what Peter was feeling like as a fisherman that day? Did he like his fisher work? Like maybe he did. Maybe he, maybe that was his favorite thing. He loved going out every day and fishing. What would it be for him to leave fishing if he loved that work? Maybe he hated the work. Maybe he's like, this is the only job I can get. This is the only industry I could find it in route into. And it was just something he grudgingly went through the day for. At least it gets me food. At least I can make it and meet, you know, I can survive. We don't know what Peter's life was like when Jesus shows up to him that day. But what Jesus offers him is for something more. Do you want to connect with people? I think for so many of us, we get stuck on the objects and the things in our lives. But uh, even if you're selling objects and things and you're a marketer, is that thing going to make someone's life better? Is it going to make their job easier? Of like, what are the people, who are the people that are influenced by the thing that I do in my life? And, and can I remember them? Can I think about them? 
Or am I trying to make a product that's going to fail so that they have to keep buying my product? Or do I actually want to make something good for the people that I'm serving? And so Jesus invites Peter to think about, hey, I want you to go look for people with me. What's interesting about that is also that he's not saying, hey, I want you to learn from me. Because that's what a rabbi would do. Hey, come listen to me. He's like, hey, you're going to get to work. We're going to go fish for people. Do you want to go fishing with me? And so Peter and his brother decide that there's something that they long for, something that they want, that they need to go on this journey. There's no way that they knew that this journey was going to take them into a courtyard and betraying Jesus and that that Jesus was going to be crucified. Like he doesn't know the journey ahead, but he's willing to risk leaving the both behind to follow Jesus. If you were Peter's dad or mom that day, you might be a little confused, a little uh, afraid of like, wait, what did you do today? You quit your job to go with Jesus? Who is Jesus? Tell me about him. Have you met him? You just met him today. There's unshaky, there's shaky ground, uncertain future ahead for Peter, but he's willing to risk it because there's something ahead of him that he's longing for, something he needs something he hopes for. And every good story, including our life story, has motivations, has goals, has things that you're looking for. If you think about, fill it in with any story that you know. Um, I I like to do the hero's journey is really easy with the Lord of the Rings, which is getting really old even as a movie now. Uh, It is not recently out, but uh, there's some awareness of the Lord of the Rings. But in the story, the hobbit, who's somebody who just likes their little hobbit town, life is pretty calm and tranquil there, but he's suddenly given a magical ring with all this power, but it has consequences. It's destructive. It will destroy the world. So he must destroy this great power or the world will fail. So he must take the ring to Mordor. But everybody else in the story has different kinds of motivations. Some are like, well, maybe we could use this for our own good. Maybe we can find a way to use this power for ourselves, or maybe I can use it for, you know, just me. But if it was just a story of, I have a magical ring and there's no consequences, I could do whatever I want and there's no problems, it's not a story. There has to be motivations and obstacles. And so if Peter doesn't care about his future, doesn't care about his life or his job or his career, it's not as interesting for him to walk out of the boat. Just like, sure, I'm up for anything. Maybe just laid back. Maybe I can fish tomorrow if I don't like this. I'll just try out something different. But it seems like Peter is someone who's rushing head forward into things because he's looking for something. He wants to find something more than he has. And I'm wondering what in your life you are willing to rush out for, to leave stable ground, to leave certainty, to go after something that you long for, that you hope for, that you need. Is there something in your life that you, you are longing for? Is there something you've recognized, like this is the thing in front of me? Sometimes we need to reevaluate what that thing is. But is there anything? Do you find yourself unmotivated? Do you find yourself lethargic? What's your motivation right now? What are you leaving behind to go that to that spot? I was thinking about for myself, uh, I, I made quite a big change in life uh, five years ago when I came here to pastor here at this church. 
all of my trajectory of the previous 12 years was in an academic setting. So uh, if you don't know much about my story, I grew up in a really unhealthy church. Quick version of that. The pastor had affairs with a bunch of women he was supposed to be counseling. Devastated families, devastated reputations. I went to the school attached to it, a whole giant mess. So I didn't experience a healthy church environment. And so when I went off to college, I had professors who um, encouraged questions of your faith instead of acting like that was a bad thing and like, oh no, you're doubting, you shouldn't ask questions. And so uh, I, I wanted to find a space where it was safe to ask questions and the university life was that. And on that trajectory uh, through seminary and PhD coursework, uh, we found healthy church environments where it was safe to ask questions. It was safe to, to do church in a different kind of way. Um, some about how welcoming they were to people coming in the door, some of how welcoming they were by going out the doors to serve people, to help people. And what I found was I was uh, teaching 8 a.m. theology classes for freshman students at Marquette. And let me tell you, most of them did not want to be there. Imagine that required course that people aren't excited about. It's not in your major. You're like, I must check this box. What do I need to do? I'm not interested. And you would do everything you could to try to make somebody interested. And they're like, all right, let's talk about the Bible and Camilla Cabello. And, and we'll make it interesting. Uh, but if people aren't motivated, it's tough. And so at the same time that people weren't motivated in the classroom, our church was working with people who were living um, on the streets when providing food, providing batteries, all sorts of random things. And we had people who were on our worship team who, who were playing on the worship team who had previously been living under the bridge several months earlier, who had been football players addicted to pain meds and life spiraled, but their life was different. And if your life's different, you want to change. You want something more. You're motivated. And so we were doing all sorts of training for people who wanted to get into ministry, but they couldn't go the college route. They didn't have the money, the time. And so we started to imagine like, well, what is it to provide these experiences for people? Like maybe we can make kingdom experiences happen and then let's talk about it. Let's grow together. And then you go to 8 a.m. class, students aren't interested. At the same time, uh, the hateful rhetoric online and in person was amping up and up and up and people that should know better were being more and more hateful. And you're like, oh, we've got a lot of work to do. Things are not figured out. We are not in a good space. And so, you know, Beth and I, we discerned, we talked about it, it was like, I think God's calling us back into church life. I think this is the place where on the ground we can follow Jesus. We can have meaningful experiences. Let's make experiences that are transformative for people. And then let's talk about it. Let's explore it. Let's articulate what's going on. And he had to long for something enough to make the uncertain jump out of this life that you were in to go into something new. Because every time you go to something new, you leave a boat behind. And Peter and his brother, they left their boat behind. The next verse is over. James and John, they leave their boat behind with their dad, which that doesn't sound like a fun family day. But what have you left behind? When I think about the fishing image of like, what is it to be fishers of men? In the biblical kind of worldview, the sea was not a positive place. It was a place of chaos, which I feel like I really resonate with that. Uh, I, I did not grow up in a land filled with lakes every few miles like we do here in Michigan. Uh, in Texas, if you have a lake, it was because it was man-made. 
It's the only way you get one. And you fight for that water if you're going to have it because it's so hot. Uh, and so we didn't grow out on the water very much. But in the biblical view, you know, they like their land. They're not seafaring people. The few examples you have of seafaring is not going very well in the text. You have people like Jonah go off, shipwreck kind of things, you, an axe. You, you got a lot of bad stories on the water. But what is it to be someone in the water and lifted out of the chaos of the water? I think that's a lot of the imagery that Jesus has. Of, you want to fish for people. How do we get people out of the chaos that is destructive and is not life-giving and provide them with something different? And so what boats are you leaving behind? What waters are you being rescued from? If you get lackadaisical about your answer to that question, it's hard to see the, the journey of your life. If you're like, you know what? I've been pretty good. Life's pretty good. Well, where's, where are you, where's that going? But if you're like, you know what? I struggle with, I struggle with this. You know, if it's, uh, I struggle with depression, what is it to find meaning and hope in the face of depression? But I struggle with, you know, I really love my things and material stuff. Like, what is it to take that and be like, you know what? I know what it's like to really love things. Like, what if I gift and bless other people with something? Like, what if I take that thing and I, and I transform it? And so what are those boats, those things we need to leave behind on the journey ahead of us? And so I think that that is something that this text invites us to of like, what would it be that Jesus calls you to that you would leave the boat behind and go follow him? And when Peter goes to follow Jesus, his life looks very, very different. For starts, he's on the move. Uh, Matthew's way of telling us this is it says that Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and goes on and on. But if Jesus is going somewhere, it means Peter's going somewhere now in the text. You're like, oh, I didn't know I was up for a mobile life. I didn't know we were getting an RV, Jesus, or I didn't know we were going camping. I, I didn't, wait, you don't have a, a place? I, I kind of hoped you had a nice spot, a nice setup. Um, you don't have any setup. Oh, uh, and I imagine Peter is learning on the move that he must live on the move now with Jesus. And so he goes from place to place. And it says in there that they, Jesus is teaching in the synagogues. So that means, I don't know if Peter grew up going to synagogues as a good Jewish boy or not, whether he did or didn't. Welcome to synagogue life, Peter, because you're going to show up with Jesus and you must be on your best behavior. Um, and you're a representative for Jesus and Jesus is teaching. So you, you got to pay attention. So you can't just zone out through Jesus' teachings. There's going to be, you know, he's going to ask you some questions later. So you got to be tuned in. And Jesus is proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. I always stop the good news, also the word that we use for gospel. What is it for Jesus to preach the gospel in the synagogues when oftentimes all we say when we say the gospel is we say Jesus died and raised again? You know, that, that's not the whole gospel. That is an incredibly important part of the gospel story. But it is not the entirety of Jesus is proclaiming the gospel even before that. He's saying, God's kingdom, God's rule is different than this world's. All of the injustices, they will be set right. God will set all things new. The kingdom is at hand. And in that culture, 
To talk about God's kingdom is to make criticisms of the kingdom of your age, whether it's the kind of puppetry of the Judean rule or Rome at large. But Jesus is talking about a, a loving revolution of a different way to live than the way of this world. That kind of talk is dangerous because the people with power are not going to like it. And so Peter is suddenly in this different sphere, imagining a different world, but also in danger because of that message. G Peter also now finds himself giving a lot of medical care that I don't think he was expecting or feeling trained for. But throughout the story, it talks about people were bringing him, um, people that had every sort of disease and sickness, and they're bringing all these things and pains and epileptics and paralytics, and, and he's curing them. I don't know if Peter knew when he got out of the boat that you weren't going to go to the top of society where everybody's got perfect health and feels like they've got all the money and all the stuff. You're going to go to everybody who needs to be taken out of the chaos and the waters and lifted out of sickness and, and all sorts of pains. And so Peter finds himself there and Jesus' ministries helping heal people. But Peter also does not do this journey alone. I love the beauty of this story having pairs. Peter and his brother, Andrew, and then James and the brother, John. Of so many of us, we privatize our faith that it's like, for me to have a good faith, I have to do everything. I have to do certain things all the certain way. But it's just like really just about me. But Peter is not doing this alone. He's doing it with Jesus, but he's also doing it with his brother, with these other brothers. There's all these crowds of people there. I think so many of us just want to know what's my private lesson of faith? What are the right things I need to believe? What are the right things I need to say? And I don't really need to relate to other people very differently. But Peter is brought into this crowd of people. I think Peter's maybe okay with it with how much he talks. He seems a little extroverted. He seems a little bit like maybe he's going to take advantage of the moments of having all these people around. Um, but maybe that's you, but maybe you're not like that. Maybe you're like, oh, I wish God would just come to me by myself and we could cuddle uh, under a blanket. I could just like rest with God. I don't really want to get out around other people. But the story, the story of Jesus, the story of following Jesus is about going to other people and other people coming to them. The crowds come. And why do the crowds come? Because they know what they want and they need. I need this healing. So why did we come today? Why do we come to this space to worship? What are you longing for today? I think it's important for us to think about those answers. It's okay that there are days where you say, today I really just don't know. Because Peter's going to have moments where he doesn't understand. But what is it we're seeking from God? What are we longing for? What are we hoping for? Because you will live in a different way when you make a decision to go towards something. All right, Jesus, I want to follow you today because I need this healing. I need this motivation. I need the strength. I need this hope. And it's not that Peter's walking out of the boat because immediately his life is transformed and fully better, fully healed, fully realized. 
but it's the hope that this journey will eventually get to that kind of place. We don't know what moments that are going to weave in front of us. We don't know when we're going to deny Christ. We don't know when we're going to uh, not speak up when we should. We don't know when we're going to say the wrong things. But what is it to say yes to the journey with Jesus? And so today I want you to reflect on that. Maybe, maybe the most important thing for you to reflect on is what have I left behind or what do I need to leave behind? Some of us are still in some of the boats that need to be left. And so is it in the past? Is it in the present? And if you have already left something behind or if you're thinking about leaving something behind, what are we running to? Because I think so often we get lost in the shuffle and the busyness when it comes to worship, like, oh, we got to get things set up. We got to get the right things in place. We got to get the equipment set up. But what we long for is to come into the space and to realize that love can transform lives. God's love transforms us and helps us to be able to love others and change the world through love. What are we going to? I'm going to pray in just a moment. I just want you to reflect on where your journey is going with God and know that God calls you forward wherever those next steps are. Lord God, thank you for your grace, your mercy, for all the times we think we understand where you're guiding us and we've fallen and we've misstepped, we've ran the opposite direction, we've said no. Lord, we just thank you that your embrace is still with love, even with correction. Lord, we ask that you might inspire us with what you are guiding us into in our lives, that we have these collective goals and hopes and dreams for us as a community, but we also have uh, personal ones as well. Lord, we ask that you might just uh, renew our strength to keep going, encourage us to make first steps that have never been taken. And Lord, I just ask that you might help us to be people who are encouraging to those around us as we make those steps in our lives, that, that we're okay with the fact that the people we encounter might not have their lives perfectly figured out. They might not have everything uh, ready to go, fully formed, realized, fully following you. But Lord, let us take your same grace and love and guidance and provide wisdom and encouragement on the path for those around us. Lord, for everyone who's facing shaky ground, waters of chaos, Lord, we ask for your rescue, your stability, your hope. Lord, let us trust in you. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.